0: Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Aaron Fraser.
1: And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're joined by writer and film critic Danny Bose to discuss his watching and view- and reviewing Bollywood cinema, as well as a couple of the films that first introduced him to Bollywood.
0: The 2009 Salman Khan vehicle Wanted, and the 2010 Akshay Kumar comedy Tees Markhan. Tees <laughs> Yeah, you had to throw one of those in there?
1: Well, I, everyone is going to know what that means, right?
0: <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, Danny. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here with
1: you. Yeah, no relation, well, by the way, for us. Yeah, uh, and for that was how we met. we just coincidentally two Boses on Twitter. Yeah, right? yeah the two best <laughs> ones, I think, definitely top five yes. cool. of the Boses. Can you take us through kind of your experience with Bollywood and how you got into it? And like, these are some formative films for you, but like, where did how did you hear about it? What was your entry point? Um. So my introduction
2: to, I guess, uh, South Indian, uh, South Asian. Not South Asian, a South Asian cinema, was through a South Asian film uh, called uh, Enderon Okay, uh, that came out uh, in fall of 2010, and I heard about it because uh, my good friend, uh, who goes by Bastard Keith on Twitter and as a uh, you know burlesque host, uh, he is uh, an enormous fan of like you know. Indian pop cinema, you know, uh, you know, both, you know, like, uh, Bollywood and the regional cinemas. And he was ranting and raving about this guy. He, you know, it's like, I, he was just going off one day and I was just happened to be paying attention. He was like, there's this guy. He calls himself superstar Rajnikanth," oh,
1: yeah. And I was
2: like, I was like, wait, hold on. He calls himself superstar. And he was like, oh yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. And he was like, he's got a movie, and it's playing in Jackson Heights. So it was like, so for people unfamiliar with New York geography, what that meant was I had to take three subway trains about an hour and a half to go out into the deepest, darkest reaches of Queens. Okay. And and I get down to Seven Train, and there's this block that basically looks like it's it's like it's like a miniaturization of Mumbai, the the this, this block uh, right off. Yeah, well, because it's you know it's the neighborhood yeah. and the, and the theater that is no longer there anymore, but was it, I think this was just like a few months before it uh, closed. Um, they 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 had the new superstar movie and it was you know, business was booming, and I walked up and they sort of you know like were polite enough to not do too broad a double-take, you know, when I asked them for a ticket to and Mm -hmm. So, uh, the part that I I skipped over with this was that I had just started writing for a science fiction website.
3: Okay.
2: um, Writing about science fiction movies, and one of the things that they told me was, we're looking for stuff that's kind of, like, off the beaten path, not necessarily, like, you know, just the normal mainstream uh, stuff. I mean, you're gonna be writing about that too, but keep an eye on things that are a little bit different. So, the reason why I jumped at this beyond the obvious was because it's like, hey, I can get, like, I can get paid to write about something that sounds this cool. Yeah. Win win. Uh, and this was going to be the first uh, film review that I ever got paid to write. Cool. Oh, um, super
0: cool.
2: <laughs> I yeah, had to choose it,
0: what film it was.
2: I know, it was great. I mean, I, I was just like, you know, what did I do right in a past life? Uh, which is not meant as a reincarnation joke, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, and I start, at, you know, the movie starts and Rajnikov just starts doing his thing. And I was like, this is, it was one of those moments where it's like everything clicks into place. And it's just like, this is what a movie star, <laughs> but what a real movie star is. Yeah, and This is what like a real movie star vehicle is. And I mean, you know, The movie is one of those things, you know, it's like, it's not perfect. There are holes that you can pick in it. There are a couple of glaring things that kind of clunk a little bit. But there are whole passages of that movie where it's like, you're not thinking about that or anything else in the world. You're just thinking about how great Rajnikan is. You're thinking about how great Ashwari Rai uh, is. You know, she was the, 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 uh, the female lead in that movie. Um, and and it's, you know, by the end of the movie when it's uh, like, you know, hundreds of CGI robot Rajnikovs form a cobra <laughs> and wreck the city
1: while it, 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 I, I was just like, well, this is great. I want more of this. Yeah, it's spectacle. Yeah. An actual star power.
2: Actual star power and a cinema that is built around maximizing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know.
0: Just, and just entertainment. Like yeah. the, the main goal of all of these films is to entertain you. And by doing that, they're going to put in spectacle and comedy and romance and just. Masala, everything. right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's- yeah. And, and, and be shameless about going big. Mm hmm. Which is one of my favorite things is because like, you know like false modesty is not a whole lot of fun to watch, but the greatest hero ever <laughs> to walk the earth, you know, it's like yeah, yeah,
0: get now, more of that. You know, is this the one where we haven't seen this film, but I'm pretty sure we've seen a cameo from this film in Raw One.
1: Oh yeah, is he the yes. robot that he runs into uh, there? It's okay. like yes, it Roger a God, shows up
0: as GT,
2: yeah. the robot from Raw One yeah. in. The, uh, from Endron in Rawan basically to, you know, give Shara Khan an attaboy and just be like, yes, I regard you as an equal worthy of speaking to. Which is a big deal because Roshnikov is, like, he calls himself Superstar and it's okay. Like, that's yeah. how bu- that's how big a star he is, you know, so it's like even SRK has to, you know, yeah. ha- has to get DAP from from Superstar Yeah, I accept you
1: as my robot equal. yeah.
0: I don't think you can kind of undersell how important star power and celebrity is in, uh, in Indian cinema and in Bollywood.
1: Well, it's so exciting because it makes me feel like you would have in the studio era of Hollywood, like just a, you know, a movie built around a star and a, a machine basically to make a star into more than a person. Yep. Um and nowadays in Hollywood, for example, it's just franchises. That's what they're going after. Whereas Bollywood, it's it's fun to see a star making action in, that isn't, for example, based on a comic I read twenty years ago. Like it, it's more exciting to me to see an actual person being elevated as opposed to a concept or more likely a brand. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um. So Danny, from there, you had you had the bug. You'd had a taste of what. South Asian cinema could be and you just had to have more.
2: Well, where where it went from Enderon was um you know a couple of months went by and then I uh, got another uh communique from from Ambassador Keith, you like we are going to go see a movie called Tees Marha. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, there we go.
2: And, and and I was like, okay, so and it, it, I was so early when it was like, all right, so you told me that Enderon wasn't Bollywood. Is this Bollywood? And he was like, yes. Boy, is it ever. This is. (laughs) And and I was was like, all right, well, I mean, I I guess the last one was all right, so I'll give this one a shot. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I went, and it was one of the most fun experiences I ever had in a movie theater, watching a movie, because it was, like, there were, like, six of us, and we were all just, like, turned up to eleven like ready for the movie.
3: Yeah.
2: And there was this one there was this one woman who was the only other person in theater with us uh who when we all came in loud as hell theater people and like, you know, and most of us were like a bit lit anyway, you know, it's like and, and we all just sit down like just Utter raucousness, and she, er, it, her posture was just terrified. She was like, "Oh my god, are these assholes going to ruin this entire experience for me?" Yeah, like you know, I had a command performance of this movie going, and these like you know six, you know like blathering drunk vaudevillians like you know like wandered in, um, and 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 like it, I was I was so dumb, you know, like I saw her like you know visibly uncomfortable. I was like, "Do not fear us," you know, or something <laughs> something stupid like that, and she sort of like. It was so ridiculous that she sort of laughed a bit. Um, And then she was, like, chilling, and we were actually talking with her before the movie started. And then the movie starts, and basically we just spent, like, two hours and ten minutes just, like, levitating in joy. Um, And I caught a lot of shit for this afterwards. Um, Like, people were... Like, because I wrote this, like, pretty kind of, like, ecstatic, you know, new convert-style blog post about after like, you know, where I made a whole lot of, like, stupid factual errors, don't you? Um, we're, but it was... we're,
1: we're, we're, we're fans of factual errors ourselves, so... It, look,
2: it happens to newcomers in any discipline. You, know, you just got to plow through them and, like, learn from them, you know? But, so, I wrote this thing, and I was basically just, like, talking about just the ecstatic joy that, you know, watching a movie that you love uh, induces, and people started like sending me emails and like leaving comments on the old blog saying that like I had been bribed. What? <laughs> by Sherish Kunder. <laughs> so this whole thing started where like there they're, they're and, and like over the years, like I keep on hearing from like random people, uh either like, you know, Twitter people trolling me on Twitter or like yeah. people at the Ebert.com comment section occasionally that it was like this guy takes bribes from Shirish Kunder, and it was like <laughs> what it's like the weirdest thing that I've ever been accused of in my life and I was like why because I like that movie and because I like Johnny Man like you know I mean you know I panned the, I panned the living shit out of Joker you know so it's like he, I couldn't have been that deep in his pocket yeah one white dickhead with a blog spot is not gonna sway the NRI you know like box office in North America I mean you know but it's it's people always think that somebody with a views different from theirs have to be putting them on to some degree that there has to be some sort of you know uh, mm-hmm. corruption involved because how could anybody see the world differently from the way that I do?
1: Well, like we were looking at some of the reviews yeah. on T-SmartCon and it's you know fifty forty on Rotten Tomatoes. It wasn't you know uh, widely please. loved, but I can. Yeah, it's it's weird to to single someone out who enjoyed a movie for that reason. It it is a movie that purely just wants to entertain the shit out of you.
0: Well, and we've gotten flack for how much we love Goonday.
1: Yeah, that's another one where a lot of yep. uh, Indians I, I got really you know, hated. Yeah. Like, well, um, there's there, there's a, there's a thing,
2: you know. I mean, the the like the the political thing yeah, over that, there. The the Bangladesh is, thing. I get that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, is like I don't begrudge anybody like anybody who can't get into that movie for that reason. That's fine. I can't speak to that. Yeah, my engagement, with it, I'm sure your engagement with it as well, was solely on like an aesthetic entertainment level because none of us are enmeshed in that political situation yeah, yeah. from a first hand perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's like rather than you know, because some people will go then to everybody who's objecting to the movie and just be like, well, you're just letting your, like, your own personal bias just blind you. And it's like, that is a really bad move. Because mm-hmm. these are people with a legitimate beef yeah, with the movie. It's just one that, just because of our situations, we don't share. But we've got to be cognizant
1: of it. Yeah, it's it's a bit yeah. of a... Uh, it takes a little while to explain the arguments against Gunday. But uh, we, we've just heard from a lot of uh, Indian people that it's... Silly fluff, and we probably, you know, we shouldn't oh, enjoy yeah. it. It's almost like like an otherization type thing. Like, oh, this is what you think ballet movies are. It's just guys punching each other, being sweaty. Um, you know, there's so much more to it, and I appreciate those movies to the same extent. It's I was I was talking to a uh, a uh, Indian critic on Twitter about uh, the Doom movies, which oh yeah we think are fucking awesome, and. You know, yeah. I think are equally as good as uh, um, Fast and the Furious but it's in the kind of Poptimist right. sense right like this is a fun thing I enjoy watching fun things I enjoy watching other kinds of movies too I don't think that this is you know I think it's technically well executed it's funny it has exciting action scenes great stars I don't think it's you know in the grand scheme of things the most amazing movie ever but I'm enjoying it for the reason it's built for to be an enjoyable action film it's not trying to do anything else and what it is doing it's succeeding it you know very very well
0: yeah just because someone likes quote-unquote silly films doesn't mean they don't also like quote-unquote serious films
1: it's (laughs) like speed racer people completely didn't get that that movie is fun as shit and also (laughs) based on a not amazing cartoon series like you kind of have to keep both those in mind when you're looking at uh technical mastery on the part of the Wachowski's. Like, that movie is what movies are gonna look like in twenty years once, you know, everyone else catches up to them. But it's it is silly though, as well. And going back to Doom, I mean, for all the uh Poptimus essays on how amazing the Fast and the Furious series are, I wonder if uh sometimes the media won't take Bollywood to the extent of, yes, they realize that this is silly but that's why it's there. It's there to have a good time.
0: Yeah, so that actually brings me to kind of... The reason that we wanted to have you on, Danny, is because Matt and I have noticed that despite Bollywood's kind of increasing popularity in North America... Um, you Sales
1: figures-wise, right? Like, I, cracking I, the, the whole, North American top ten exactly. fairly often.
0: More and more movies are cracking the American um, box office in the top ten, um, including when, like, the, the same week that Star Wars is coming out, you have two Bollywood movies in the domestic box office, cracking that top ten. Yeah. Um, when we went to go see Gunde in theaters the first time, we got to the theater about, like, 15 minutes before it started. It was sold out.
1: Yeah, and we're in, not like, we're a not city a, like Edmonton. Yeah, we're not a major metropolis. There's, like, a million people in Edmonton, and, yeah, shit was sold out.
0: Yeah, for a Bollywood movie that people don't even regard as good.
1: <laughs> and did not get yeah. review attention, let's say.
0: Yeah, so we've been really fascinated by how... Bollywood feels like this open secret in North America. You know, the films are playing in the local multiplexes. They're accessible. They're playing multiple times a day. Lots of people are going to see them. But if you're a film fan who, you know, follows reviews and things. English
1: language film. film. English language film.
0: Well, English language reviews. Yeah. You are not hearing anything about this. So it's like it's completely out in the open. But it's this secret. Unless you're part of this niche already unless you're part of the south asian community you don't know about this so we're interested to know how you started writing about bollywood and how it was received when you were writing on sites like roger ebert's site which has you know kind of more quote unquote like mainstream and art film reviews and you were throwing bollywood into the mix
2: Uh, Well, that came about because I was, you know, sort of um, rolling the freelance writing rock up the mountain and, you know, uh, getting getting crushed a fair amount. And I was trying to think of what do I have to offer that is novel and unique? You know, it's like, why should somebody hire me to write about movies as opposed to, say, you know, anybody else? And I had this, you know, because up until I started uh, writing for for Eper.com like the first few years that I was watching uh, Indian movies, I didn't regard myself as a sufficient level of expert that mm-hmm. I could write about them professionally. So I was writing about everything on my old blogspot, which uh, is no longer... Um, searchable for reasons that we need to get into at the moment mm-hmm. um but at the point at which uh like it was it was like around early, like early around this time of the year in 2013 like i started thinking okay i'm ready i've seen enough movies that i can sort of make a go with this because i know enough about you know, film in general Mm -hmm. and aesthetics and literature and theater, you know, it's like all the things you need to appraise a piece of cinema properly, I suppose. Uh, And I started looking for outlets to, you know, because I figured, okay, this could be like, you know, a foot in the door to more of um, like a broader career writing about film. And uh, so... Um you know, the editor in chief at Eber.com Matt's all sites and i had been, you know, like friendly acquaintances on social media for a couple of years at that point. And so I came to him and I said, Hey, is there any room over there for somebody to write about Bollywood movies? And his reaction was like I was expecting to get it Yeah, well, you know You know, we're not really we don't really do that sort of thing. I mean and I was expecting to like have to wait a couple weeks. You know to hear that, so I was like, braced, braced myself. But he, you know, in about five minutes later, was like, "We had actually been thinking about expanding in exactly that direction because of you know the things that you're uh, mentioning, you know, the increasing prevalence of Indian films in the top ten North American box office." Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, it was like in that July, he was just like, you know, he cleared it with with Chaz Ebert, and you know, they were like. You know, let's you know, let's get you on, you know, reviewing the releases that come out in New York, you know, every week as they do. And uh, so, like, I started doing that, and, it you know, like, when the reviews started, you know, making the rounds, a lot, of, a lot of Indian people were kind of confused. They were like, why did you start, why did you review, like, Ramaya Vastavaya and not, you know, something good?
0: It was and, Lutera. And, Lutera was the other film that came out that week that everyone was wondering why you didn't review. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Cuz Lutera and, is the film I always cite as the movie that got me into Bollywood. <laughs> but I, it
2: wasn't and it wasn't playing. Yeah. In New York that week. You know, so it, because the the problem with with releasing in New York City was that like the like the neighborhood theaters like the one in Jackson Heights that are so in run at were all closing. In favor of showing, like, you know, more, you know, like, commercially, you know, broad appeal type, the type of stuff, i.e., not Bollywood movies. Yeah. Um. So at that point in 2013, when I started reviewing for Ebert.com, the only two places that were still showing Indian films were a place called Big Cinemas on the Upper East Side. And the AMC 25 in Times Square. And so, like, if there were, say, say there was a weekend when, like, three big Bollywood movies came out. We would have two of them in New York and they weren't always the ones you would logically expect. Mm -hmm. So I was I was basically restricted to what I could see. Okay. And so, like, I was uh, not necessarily reviewing the most obvious thing, but I just figured, you know, whatever. You know, it's like, you know, something isn't necessarily the most hyped thing that we can... Maybe it's the, you know, like, the, the sleeper success. You know, the, the kind of under-the-radar uh, gem, you know.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, and I saw a lot of bullshit, you know, under that theory. Like, the like the like the, the first thing that I saw was some, like... Prabhudeva Deva paycheck movie where like they were trying to launch some producer's kid who was the single shittiest actor I've ever seen in <laughs> history of fucking cinema. Like this kid couldn't act his way out of a wet paper bag with scissors in his hand and he couldn't dance to save his life. He couldn't do any of the things you have to do to be a proper, you know, hero. And the whole movie, Sonosu is giving him this look like I want to murder you in real life because you <laughs> suck so much and this movie working is entirely on me conveying energy to you to stop you from being such a dipshit. Um, you know, but, so I come out of that movie, and it's the first review that I'm going to write for for Ebert.com, and I was like, oh, man, this isn't really going to look so great if I, like, you know, made this big push and this big pitch to, you know, like, review yeah. this movie for, for this outlet. And my first review is, eh, this really
0: sucks,
1: man yeah
0: and that was um but, oh, I'm gonna butcher this title, but I think I got it that was um Ramaya Vasta av
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: yeah I've actually seen that movie. it has I remember being like shocked that they sampled who let the dogs out <laughs> yeah. which yeah, it's everything you say about it is true
2: because <laughs> the thing about like it' we'll, we'll get to this when we start when we talk about wanted mm-hmm. like a good Prabhu Deva movie. Mm -hmm. is a glorious thing to behold. When he's phoning it in, and especially, like, when he sort of, like, latched into this second career as, like, you know, a hack blockbuster director, I mean, like, his, like, hack blockbuster movies where he's, like, not feeling it, like, they're really not very good. But, Wanted, and when he's firing on all cylinders as a director, like, that's what's awesome. And it's also everything is redeemed by his dancing. Yes. Yeah. His holy god. Bravo della
1: Oh man. And talk what about a the balls on the guy. Like just showing we'll get into this in Wanted, but showing up and dancing with your star within the first five minutes of the movie, like, oh by the way, I've directed this movie and I'm dancing right here. What do you think about that? Time for some more movies. See you later, guys. But that's
0: because he's an amazing dancer. I know, but like... You remember the scene in Anybody Can Dance too in the car? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, the scene in the first one...
2: The scene in the first one when he, you know, like when he shows the little brats what's what and he channels Fred Astaire and Michael Jackson for like five minutes. It's like, yeah, this guy's... Ah, uh, I mean, he, he's he's just special, and I, I love uh, too. You know, like the end of the uh, uh, Jawa and Wanted when Salman gets on the phone. and he's like, "Why am I late?" Uh, Probably Devan Govinda showed up and had me dancing. Pfft, you know, it's yeah. like, does that always happen? You know, it's just like I mean, it establishes him as a badass well, that's so a, that's, well.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Like the fact that someone's stardom, even as a director, transcends the bounds of reality in a film. I, I think about oh, yeah. uh, Cooley where they mentioned that Amitabh Bachchan hurt himself in this you know in this important scene of the film there there is a connection between the audience and the stars that i think goes beyond most other uh, world cinemas mm, yeah you, there is an inherent uh kind of uh, a remove from the story everyone knows that it's a movie where that's a that's a surprisingly difficult uh thing to teach in film studies classes is that you know Sometimes the director knows that they're making a movie and they're letting you in the audience know. That's, you know, it's very modernist to do that. But that is par for the course in uh, Bollywood cinema.
0: Yeah, it's probably one of the most kind of meta film <laughs> industries around.
1: I think so. There's more of um like a,
2: a a very well-cultivated sense of you know the 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 star and the character as being both, one and the same, and separate.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's like it's a it's a it's a way of watching movies that embraces more um, like nuance and multivalence than than I guess you know the mean median you know like American
0: yeah.
2: film audience.
0: So Danny, I'm curious how was how were your reviews received? Because I know um when you started reviewing was actually about the time that I really started to get into Bollywood. And mm. so you were one of the only people who I knew of that was actively reviewing Bollywood films in you know, in, in kind of an English language print media in North America who I could really turn to. Um, who I found was reliable to tell me kind of what what these films were about and what the kind of um the
1: cultural context around them,
0: well, not necessarily always the cultural context, but like aesthetically what was important about yeah. them, yeah. and so I'm really curious on how they were received
2: well, I mean when you talk about it being a wide open thing, I mean that was one of the reasons why I was putting that forward as a selling point for yeah. myself as a writer because I knew that. I could do it, and I knew that, you know, not to single out one particular writer, because I don't necessarily talk shit about people, but the New York Times is a critic uh, who covers pretty much all Indian movies. Uh, this woman, uh, Rachel Salt, who I've never met, I don't know her, so I can't really speak to you know, like where she's coming from and all that. But I do know that when, like, I get a sense of like, reading her reviews of more populist Cinema that they don't really kind of take it seriously as a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when she reviews things that are from a more, like, you know, I guess you would call, like, more, like, Oscar movie type of, you know, like, issues, dramas, and stuff. Yeah. She's really, there's a, a palpably higher level of excitement talking about those and engagement because she can bring her um like i guess you know like you know like sociological knowledge to bear with them
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the sense of their being about political issues and all of that you know it's like there's a greater sense of like i guess perceived seriousness about them, so you know that's her lane, and that's what she does, and that's the lane that she stays in, but it's it, that I have heard anecdotally a lot of. People are kind of, you know, not necessarily fully satisfied with her approach to these movies. And so it was like, that was a, a void that I wanted to, um, uh, to fill.
1: Yeah.
2: Cause I mean, she wasn't the only person in North America writing about these movies, but I mean, you know, it's like the New York times always says, that it's, oh, it's the New York times, you know, so there's, there's,
1: you know, there's always that. They've got the name. Um it's a it's a big deal.
0: Well and at the time it, weren't they reviewing paying, yeah. every single film that played in New York ever?
2: Uh, uh, I've heard that, yeah.
0: Yeah, because they recently changed those rules that they weren't going to review every single yeah. film that came out every single week. And that has like messed up Oscar eligibility.
2: Oh. Interesting. Uh, yeah. No but I think and I don't I mean, I you know, not being a regular Times reader, um, or like I mean, mainly like when I read the Times, you know, film section, you know, like I'm reading A.O. Scott, I'm reading Manolo Dargis, you know, it's like I'm not yeah. necessarily reading the entire thing. Um, so it's like I won't, you know, like I don't really engage much with, you know, like the uh, uh, salt's criticism, just because it's not really speaking to where I'm coming to as a yeah. as a cinephile, um, it, you know, and and you know, and not one to make it like you know, a thing. It's just like this is you know this is just you know like a disgrace you know yeah. i need to write this wrong you know cuz it's not coming from that perspective it's basically just like i want to be the change that i you know you, you know what i'm saying you know that will yeah. you know mm-hmm. um so like in you know so i started you know like writing about movies from the perspective that i wanted to see you know being mine i'm rather attached to that perspective Mm -hmm. um and the the feedback that i got from people was i was expecting one of the things i was nervous about was that you know indian people were going to see a white guy writing about indian movies and immediately be like you don't want to be a dilettante right well, you don't want to be colonizing, you know. What I mean? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah,
0: we had As the exact same worry when we started talking about doing a podcast. We were just like, well, "How are people yeah. going to react to white people who just really love Bollywood, but like who want to talk about it?"
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so like, so it's basically just being really mindful of not doing. I mean, I guess. It, it, Really what it boils down to is approaching the movies on their own terms and appraising them according to their own aims Mm -hmm. rather than holding them to an outside standard
1: that they aren't necessarily engaging with. Yeah. Um, I think that's a lot more challenging to do because you have to put yourself in the mindset of a regular Indian person who is getting these movies delivered to them. You can anyone can review an Oscar movie, and this is something that comes up in Smart Khan actually, like an Oscar movie kind of transcends uh, national borders because it is a self-serious dumb dog billionaire. What do they call it? It was dumb dog something in Smart Khan, but yeah. like Akshay a- 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 Khanna really wants the Oscar, and. Yeah. Anyone who's trained in film studies, yeah, you could probably review a uh, Oscar bait movie that's trying to be serious and talk about issues. But to actually see why popular entertainment is good and why people would be into it, that's a lot more of a uh, headspace to put yourself into. It's a lot more difficult.
2: Well, I mean, whether or not it's, you know, one is more difficult than the other isn't necessarily like, I, I mean, I don't know. But it's a matter of just like and this is one of the reasons why I, I felt like it was fortuitous that I ended up at Ebert.com uh, writing from this perspective was that uh, one of Roger Ebert's greatest uh, philosophical um, uh, ideas that he advocated for was to approach every movie on its own terms
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. you know and, and so and so yeah I mean it's about regarding popular entertainment as something worthy of um intellectual headspace yeah. it's about reviewing art you know like artistic experimental films from their artistic experimental aims and within the um you know the schema of their th- that they're engaging with themselves it's about you know like the more um, you know, like you know, like we've been throwing around the term, you know, like Oscar Beatty, Oscar films, and everything like that. I mean, you know, it's like those movies aren't necessarily, I mean, they, they're not inherently, you know, simplistic and preachy and all that. It's, I mean, they end up being that way because a lot of them tend to be movies aimed at people who, like, you know, aren't cinema studies people.
1: Yeah, they're designed for export, right? Like, it, they're designed like, for people who read the New York Times and are exactly. like, okay, here's yeah. a movie
2: about, you know, like, a journalistic investigation into Catholic Church corruption. You know, like, here's a movie um, about, you know, like, the Iranian hostage crisis. You know, like, here's a movie about racism. Here's a movie about, you know, poverty. Here's a movie about, uh, you know, like, the the corruption of the, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, yeah. like it's more movies that are about, you know, like their scripts than they are about their filmmaking.
1: Yeah, and they're they're topics that you can kind of put a pin in, like that's what that movie's about.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I find like your quote unquote Oscar bait movies tend to be kind of like higher middle brow and the like really arty stuff, like your Guy Madden's, your Ben Wheatley's um, and your populist stuff. Like those are, they're on two polar opposites. Like you're really entertaining blockbusters And your really, really arty films, like those are in some ways both the harder and easier films to talk about because it's harder to make people understand why these movies are good and why they're interesting, even though they seem like fluff or they seem really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's, I find personally, there is so much more to talk about than your spotlights.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) and your Birdman's. Something like a spotlight or a Birdman. It's difficult to have more than one opinion on it because it's generally, you know, technically well done. You can't argue against the topic like I don't think we should have made a movie about this. But there isn't really much else to dig into.
0: But when you talk about like approaching each film uh for what it's trying to do, so approaching each film Within its own context, I think a lot of people they have, you know, such an easier time with these issue based movies about kind of serious things, well, yeah. etc. But then when you try and explain like how, you know, this piece of popular entertainment, this exciting action comedy, something like Doom, can be amazing, can be, you know, your two thumbs up, your five stars, and maybe you might have given Birdman like a two or three i probably give it, like, two stars. Well, but what it, I'm saying is, like, yeah. it's, I think for a lot of people um, who, don't necessarily, who aren't necessarily cinephiles, who don't follow film the way we do, um, that seems incongruous.
2: Well, the, the, what, what I always tried to do, and this is something that specifically, you mentioned Doom, this is something that, you know, specifically came up in the task of reviewing Doom 3. Okay.
1: Um the wonderful, easy task Which
0: was. Yeah, it was, <laughs> the, was yeah. the first uh, Bollywood film I took Matt to. <laughs> yeah. So we have a bit it of. It has a honest. special place in
1: my heart. <laughs>
0: nice. And it was the first but time you saw Katrina Kaif, and you know.
1: Special place in my heart for <laughs> Katrina Kaif <laughs> <Forever>. <laughs> Well, in everybody's heart, yeah. But um, uh, I mean, the thing that
2: I always like to, the, the thing I always try to do, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, is like when I'm trying to get people to think about. Something they perceived to be silly, in like more like serious cinematic terms, you know, it's like you know, the whole "it's a real film" Jack, you know, mm-hmm. syndrome. Uh, you know, like I like to throw in something that sounds like kind of hoity-toity academic cinephile language,
3: mm-hmm.
2: in a way that makes it readily apparent to anybody reading it what I'm talking about. Yeah. So it's like throwing in a term not as a shibboleth to establish my own, you know, like critical intellectual bona fides, because, like, I ain't stressing about that. Um, it's about making the reader feel like, oh, okay, I know what that means. Yeah. So this movie that I like, I don't have to think about it as being silly. It's a real movie, and it, you know, mm-hmm. this, the, you know, this, you know, vocabulary boy over here is saying that this movie's worth taking seriously. Mm -hmm. So goddamn it, I'm going to also. Yeah, you know, it's like, and that's really, like, the end of the thing is, like, making people realize that it's like, you don't have to have guilty pleasures. I hate the term guilty pleasures. Yes. Because guilt isn't pleasurable. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling a pang of guilt about something that you're enjoying, it's fucking up the experience of watching that thing.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's like, there, and there's a difference between you know enjoying something that's like you know well turned silly fluff, and enjoying something that's genuinely despicable because there there is you know like there are examples of that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. I don't. I don't have any readily at hand right now. So I mean, you know, and I don't also don't. I I come to praise cinema not to trash it today.
0: I find that there's a lot of people out there who like they just get really worked up about how much fun it is and how exciting it is to really trash movies and make fun of movies. That's every
1: other podcast is, we hate movies, movies suck, etc. It's more fun to talk about why good things are good because it's harder to do.
0: I want to enjoy every movie I watch and I genuinely want to enjoy every single one I sit down and watch. I don't because that would be crazy.
1: Uh, All that stuff that they were doing in France in the 60s and the 50s, they weren't always looking at great works of art. They were looking no. at noir B pictures out of Hollywood half the time, and that's where you can apply your film studies uh, bona fides, as you said. Those uh, techniques, those that language, it works on every movie because all movies have similar characteristics that you can point at
0: well i mean hitchcock wasn't like an established auteur he was an established great filmmaker until fast watch came along in the 60s and said this guy is a genius yeah and, and th- so similarly i think we can come along and say farrakhan is a genius
3: <laughs> yeah well
0: yeah and and, and you, you
2: bring up a point which is uh, another one of my aims as a critic is that you know i mean the coherence cinema guys you know i mean they're all like very near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um Uh, and a lot of, you know, like, opening my mind to the possibilities of cinema was largely through engaging with those guys, uh, both their critical work and their work as directors.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: And I just, you know, there's not really an objective difference between Godard finding something transcendent and beautiful in a Nicholas Ray melodrama or a Tashlin film or, like, a Bullshit B movie programmer that the director doesn't even remember,
3: yeah.
2: but that they had like a moment of you know like on the road to Damascus in in like some shithole theater in Paris watching it. You know, it's like that's that's what like I want to bring that continuum of you know like keep that continuum going of like really smart people reminding everybody that it's okay to enjoy anything. As long as you have, you know, like, I mean, and you know, like, when I say as long as you have a reason for it, I don't mean, you know, it's like you have to present, like, a defense of everything that you like. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's, you know, you don't necessarily even need to examine it. Mm -hmm. But it's okay
0: to like stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, cinema is a powerful media a movie's ability to move you whether that's on an intellectual or emotional level is valid it doesn't matter how serious or how fluffy the movie is if it can move you
1: mm-hmm. that's it's doing important it. it's doing its job and that's
0: yeah. worth celebrating that's worth talking about that's worth recommending to other people yeah uh danny
1: <laughs> do you want to introduce our song from one of our films that we're going to talk about after the break
2: Alright. This song that we're about to listen to is called Sheila Ki Javani. Um which roughly translated according to the uh subtitles that I had, since I regrettably do not speak Hindi. Mm-hmm. Um the subtitles translate roughly to Sheila's Killer Youth.
0: That's a great and title. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it it is. And I was I'm gonna cop it the second I can. Um yeah, when, uh, for for a screenplay or yeah. Yeah. um and it is what we fondly refer to as an item number, which is a song that features a uh, very attractive uh, female lead dancer. In this case, played by the, lead, the female lead in the film itself, Katrina Kaif, whom we all hold very near and dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, a, it, it, it was like a smash hit in 2010, when the movie came out. It was like, I guess, I mean, if we're going to quantify it, it and the song Mooney Badnam from the Salman Khan movie, "Tabang" were like, it was an either-or uh, choice in certain circles. You know, it's like, Sheila or Mooney? Sheila Mooney? You have to be, you know, it was like the Streisand Midler of that moment. Um, and, I mean, personally, I always preferred Mooney Badnam as a song but in terms of how it works in the movie because it's like just a holistically part of the movie uh according uh you know uh, from a textual perspective and it's also a a heroine introduction that rivals the hero introduction that Akshay Kumar received a couple minutes before
3: yeah
2: so without any further ado here is Sheila Kishavani.
3: But you're never gonna get it pretty hot. It's be money. my no money, money.
1: So well, that was Sheila Kilgivani from the film Tsmar Khan, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I highly recommend checking out the music video of it on YouTube, or if not, just watch Tsmar Khan itself. But that, uh, that dance sequence, as Danny talked about earlier, is kind of iconic, and especially all the fire shooting all over the place. That's, that's one of my favorite parts. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the movies.
0: Yeah, first up, uh, we're going to go chronologically. We have Wanted. So Danny, we asked you to pick a couple of films that got you into Bollywood. And so you picked Wanted and T Khan, And also Um Shanti Om, which we'd already talked about. But it, it um, is yeah. a wonderful film. It is. It is awesome. So if you want to throw anything in there about Umchanti Om, please feel free. Yeah, when
1: we're talking about Farrakhan, you can yeah. Oh, I was just gonna
2: uh explain. Which was that briefly uh just to get into why these movies as opposed to any others. And it's because, you know I mentioned in the first half, uh, a particularly memorable night out at the theater scene atTS Martte. Now that led to, um, a few weeks later, everybody who had been at the theater that night went over to one of the people's um, uh, houses uh, to watch a double feature of first Wanted and then Omm Chantillon nice uh was the was the double feature that, that, that we watched yeah and it was like and it was like a reaffirmation of the moment of uh you know kind of you know the the the, the, the skies opening up and the sun shining down the heavens you know and especially like both of them being such radically different movies you mm-hmm. know it's like was a way of you know it being like all right, there's more than just one thing. There's this, you know, infinite possibilities. So Wanted specifically was, I mean, just trying to find the words to describe it. It was just like... <laughs> well, hang <laughs> like, on a
0: sec, because I want to ask yeah. you a question about <clears throat> Om Om. Because in your review of Happy New Year, you mentioned how um, Farrakhan has also made Om Chantillon. And depending on who you are, you either think of that film as like a... And I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember exactly what you wrote... Um, but yeah. as a trifle or as, like, an all-time classic. And I'm curious on which side of the fence you're on with Om Shanti Well,
1: who would consider that a trifle? Some people. And there are
2: people who have uh, espoused that opinion to me. Um, I responded to Om Om nearly religiously because, you mm-hmm. know, I, I come from... Uh, just like my, you know, like my educational background in the arts and in literature were largely just because of the kind of schooling that I had um, from like a postmodernist uh, perspective. That's basically how I learned about film, yeah. and to an extent, how I learned about, you know, like literature and theater. Uh, and so the 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 state of a text being existing on multiple levels at the same time is. Something that's just, like, part of the natural way that I approach things. Okay. And so, seeing a movie that is about the experience of watching itself, you know, that self-reflexivity that the Farrakhan movies have, you know, that it's just... And it's not... Something that she assumes it's not a mode that she chooses to work in, it just it, it, it's it just like it's where she comes from mm-hmm. naturally as a cinephile and as a choreographer and as a director. And just that, that, that sense of connection of text to uh, you know, like to every single level on which it can exist is exhilarating for me, and what makes it all the better is when the subject under discussion is specifically the enjoyment yeah. that we get from movies
3: mm-hmm.
1: because
2: yeah. it's about how masala films can save the world really
0: yeah
2: you know and and it's like and it's about how um, you know movies it's about how important movie stars are
3: yeah
2: and it's got SRK at the peak of his powers as one of those movie stars and it's got Deepika in her debut just showing it's like, oh, I'm going to be around here for a while.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I look forward to more.
1: You know. Yeah. Um, but it's the yeah. counterpoint to this, like, it's another fluffy SRK romance? I mean, the counterpoint to it is that it's, you know, it's funny, so it
2: can't possibly be serious. Like I've I've never really I never like to be like you know I just I don't understand certain positions but mm-hmm. like I've never really encountered a negative Om Shanti Om take yet that I mm-hmm. fully thought was mm-hmm. like fully legit mm-hmm. like they're all lacking in some like it's it, it all boils down to and most of them it's like. How dare a movie try and be about something when it's funny? Or denying that a movie is about anything because it's silly in places. Yeah. I and that's just, yeah, that just makes, I, I just like, I turn off when it gets to that point. Because it's like, there's nothing saying that can't be no. so.
1: I mean, yeah. it's it's a very earnest movie. It wears its heart on its sleeve, and I could see a cynical person not getting into that, but I could never agree with that.
0: Yeah. All that being said, I just personally have a hard time understanding any person who genuinely loves movies not enjoying that film.
2: Yeah. Because, because it's-, it's such a celebration of movies. It's yeah. such a exactly. wholehearted full-bodied appreciation. It's such a passionate advocacy for the medium of cinema.
0: All right, but wanted. Now that we have gotten the acclaim for Om Shanti Om out of the way, which I did really want to talk about because, unfortunately, that episode, we were still trying to, like, stuff five movies in an episode, and it was before we realized, no, we can only really talk about so many movies, and so I always, like, worry that we short-shrifted it.
1: Yeah, I really want to go back and basically watch every Friar movie. I was talking with, with Danny about this, but I feel like... Her grasp on film history and intertextuality. I'm only going to appreciate her movies more as I get more into them. Like yeah. the more knowledge I have, the more I'm going to appreciate what she's done.
2: Well, and the thing about Um Shanti that's great in particular is, um, you know, the, the way that you know, m- m- you know, of course I'm going to be partial to my own, you know, like path through you know things, but I found that watching it. Before I really knew anything at all, and then watching it again a couple of years later when I knew some stuff, and then watching it a couple of years after that when I really knew a lot of stuff, like it just it just gets better every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found that with you know with Tease Marcon as well, even though like it's considered you know like oh some just minor you know work for us, but well, I mean just to get back to the order that we. Had established. I just want to like steer back to wanted for a second because yeah. the counterpoint between like my my in with Om Shanti Om was you know the the historicity and the meta and the like the the self awareness while not being you know the the, the balance between self awareness and not being too intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like all of these things that are like one. Of the the, the million things that I love about movies was like it really hit all of those notes. Wanted hit me on the level of when I was like 13 years old (laughs) and I would get up at 11 o'clock in the morning and I would go to the seedy theater in the shitty neighborhood that had the new Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would watch Jean Claude Van Damme with big ass muscles play twins and beat up Bolo. Mm -hmm. And I would go watch, I would go see like Steven Seagal movies where he just like break people's wrists for two hours. And I would go see like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, just like, you know, like flex and murder a 100 people at a pop, you know, and Mm -hmm. just like the, the outsized muscular action star.
1: Yeah. That
2: that I grew up as like one of my it was like my my big ins when I was young when I was young and first watching movies, like the first uh, like avatars that I had for movie stars were you know, on the one hand, you know, like Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, you know, like that kind of movie star, Humphrey Bogart, Jimmy Stewart, that kind of thing. But that there was also you know it's like there was the classical conception of the movie star and then there was the guy on a lot of steroids who didn't like wearing shirts yeah who murdered everybody <laughs> and this and this was a thing that you know it's like I, you know it's like you, you, the ethics and morality of this is all you want but it's like that was just that was just where it, fuck it was at like yeah. when i was when i was coming up watching movies because it's like i hit arnold's peak when i was really young and then it hit Van Damme's peak, you know, like a couple years later when I was a young teen. And those are ages when things, the way you see the world, is, is formed. Yeah. So the opening scene of Wanted, where they're talking about, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like there's the, all, all of the, you know, like fancy, you know, like digital zooms and smash cuts of like, you know, the villainous Prakash Raj, you know, cutting a guy's throat in a female kickboxing match. Um, and then it cuts back to some guys having a conversation, but it's like, whoa, this guy beat up so-and-so, and and they spend, like, a whole scene building up Salman Khan, who is yet to be introduced as a a fearsome, ferocious force to be reckoned with, and then there's the scene where he's, like, in the warehouse against 25 goons, Mm -hmm. and he sends his buddy to get more money. Because it's not worth his while to beat up twenty five guys for only that little amount, little ass amount of money. Yeah, and then he proceeds to just own the shit out of twenty five guys single handedly, all the while flexing on them, talking endless shit about how just like how there was just there were no match for him, and that he was just a higher form of badassery than they were. And then after beating the shit out of twenty five guys. He just throws open the gate of the warehouse he's in, and then we're in Java. We're in like you know, like a you know, like a, 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 you know, like a musical number with you know, like uh, you know, thousands of extras. And Kapoor. Anil Kapoor. <laughs> yeah, Govinda shows up. Yeah. Prabhadeva himself shows up, and it's like. I was watching Wanted and thinking it's like, you know, you know, Salmon beating, I was like, okay, quality onage, this is good, you yeah. know. The fact that he, immediately afterwards, he throws open the gate and sings a song, I mean, obviously he's not singing, it's a playback scene, yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. There, it does a whole, there's a whole musical number where he's talking about what a badass he is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I was like, movie? You have my attention. <laughs> And and basically, it's like that was all it took to get me on the vibe of Wanted for the next two and a half hours. I will say this after seeing it a second time because I only just I rewatched it again for the first time since seeing it the mm-hmm. back then uh, the other day to prepare for, to, to to talk to you because I because I want that both movies fresh in my head. I didn't want to be like, well, I remember from six years ago that yeah, you know, that the guy, mm-hmm. his name I don't, you know I don't want to do that. So. I mean, the thing, watching it again after after all this time, it's like, yeah, it's a little bit, like, it, it lags a little bit. and mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're about like half to two-thirds of the way through, it's sort of like there's a slow spot. There's a, a song that doesn't really need to be there, even though it looks nice and everything, eh, you know, Yeah, whatever. But it, it's, it's got enough of a sense of just utter shamelessness about being the kind of just, you know, Ape shit, you know, spit in the face of coherency kind of narrative that's all about creating this like uh, feverish level of adrenaline overdose mm-hmm. where you're watching the baddest motherfucker in the whole world prove over and over again. That he's the baddest motherfucker in the world, and stepping it up a level on a couple of truly surprising. And I mean, there's the one twist in the movie that comes completely out of nowhere in the middle of it. That uh, the, the thing that watching the movie the second time, the fact it 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 comes literally out of nowhere. They they do not seed that you know there's no you know like gun on the wall
3: yeah
2: in in, in the first act no family that, photo. The, that goes off there's yeah. no there's no foreshadowing whatever they just decide completely out of the blue three quarters of the way the movie just be like oh Salman Khan is an undercover
1: cop yeah you know
0: which by the and, way I just want to like, say ah! Matt called that like 10, minutes, I into that 10 minutes
1: into the movie but <laughs> I have seen quite a few of these type of pictures and generally if you're Salman Khan you're an altruistic hero and yeah. Being a well, gangster as he was, I knew there had to be some sort of thing like either he's he's stealing money to have an orphanage or he's he's doing something, but the way that they show him being an undercover cop is probably the most propagandistic and awesome way of doing so. Like Oh yeah. The thing fighter about, planes like, flying by, doing the Indian flag colors, him riding around on a horse, he's the best at shooting, he's the best at remembering all the laws. Like, if you're going to do that twist, they went all in on it, <laughs> about as well, like, well as you could. That's the thing that I really love
2: about Masala Cop movies, and it only rarely, really bothers me that they do this, because it's it's like this with... Any, any movie where the police protagonist ultimately is advocating a worldview that the police are in some way the good guys and justified cutting corners to, you know, catch real bad guys. Yeah. You know I mean? The 80s were rife with all of these movies of, you know, like, the Maverick cop who doesn't play by the rules he needed to leave his badge and his gun on the captain's desk and, you know, like in his 24-hour suspension, like he went and, you know, solves the case extra legally. I mean, it's like you have to divorce yourself from real-world morality mm-hmm. to a certain extent before watching these movies, because, you know, police movies are kind of all inherently fascist.
1: A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's and it's a thing that it either bothers you to the point that you can't watch the movie or it doesn't. And if you're able to process this and still enjoy them anyway, it's it's a matter of compartmentalization. It's not that it's not an excuse mm-hmm. for the views espoused. And the thing is, this is particularly true of masala cop movies which i've seen a lot more of to this point wanted being the first meant that i wasn't as conditioned yet in the in in by studies that i didn't know that Salman is you know like that, that there are you know like assumptions that that, that go yeah. into the thing so the, it coming is completely out of nowhere as it did. Like I didn't have the context of Salman Khan yet as a as a star, as Anthony, yeah. um to be expecting that. Yeah. Uh, and i will also like before that starts sounding like I'm trying to like make excuses for myself. I am also the 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 best friend of every single screenwriter who. Wants to put a plot twist in their movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I am their ideal film goer because <laughs> I don't think I've ever once seen a plot twist in in even remotely good movie coming ever. Yeah, I, I always think... I always take everything on face value. I'm always like, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, this guy's a criminal, huh? Oh, gosh. Oh, he's a cop. Well, strike me down with a feather. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. You know. <laughs> that's me every single movie it's like it's it's real. it's it's embarrassing like i mean like i probably shouldn't even be a fucking film critic with the degree that i always fall for uh, fall for plot twists like that
1: but you're experiencing the movie on the level it's designed to do i mean they're not putting these twists in there as an academic exercise it's oh whoa you want to get surprised you're supposed to be surprising yeah yeah going back to that scene where you find out that he's the undercover cop uh, Aaron and I have talked about this a little bit, but being from Canada, we find that oh
0: yeah, <laughs> we
1: we really like nationalistic displays of other countries because Canada doesn't really do that that well. It's always a little bit embarrassing when we do it, but when you know when fighter jets fly by doing the uh, Indian colors and they everyone's wearing their sweet police uniforms, we're like, fuck yeah, India, Jai Hind, man. Oh, like, well, yeah, I'm totally well, into I mean, it. And also as an American,
2: when we have our big displays of nationalism. Uh, Ten-year wars ensue where twenty thousand people die. You know, so it's like it's not necessarily like yeah. there's a bit of disassociation that has to go on for us too.
1: We just elected but, a hot prime minister, and everyone's really into that. So that's that's the yeah. Canadian uh, addition to nationalism these days. But yeah, there yeah, there, is, there, is a price where, that there is a price <laughs> when your country throws its weight around. I'll give you that much. But yeah, like I, but, I love that about Indian movies, a lot of the time h- Hindi movies that they're very very stoked. About being Indian, they're just very excited to be that that country's cinema. Here we are. Yeah, wow. and it,
2: man, it manifests itself differently in different stars' vehicles too. Yeah, in, right. in, speaking specifically in India, because in 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 SRK movies, it's almost because of like the demographics of his audience. It's, it's, it a lot of the time it's inducing nostalgia in NRIs mm-hmm. for. The homeland, yeah, you know, which is where you get something like Swades or Kabhi Kushi Kabhi Gham. Kabhi yeah, yeah, you know, uh, and so you know, like SRK movies are about like you know the yearning for back home.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Salmon yeah,
2: movies are aimed at the people who are, are there, and it's much like yeah, your village is the center of the universe, man. Yeah, Thumbs we up. Fucking,
1: we fucking own around here. That's what Salman gives to yeah. the audience is that. He imparts well, okay. his ownage onto you. Look, we did this together. We're we're one country. We're amazing. Well,
2: and it's also because like his whole persona as a star is built around being your your big brother. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: It's
2: why like, it's why he's Salubai, you know because it's like he's you know he's your bro, man.
1: I guess uh, I guess Amir then, Khan's would be kind of like the resilience of a people or like the intelligence of a people because he's usually some guy who went to school and does something. Yeah, Amir's are a
2: brainier version of that, you know, and it's like, Akshay's are actually a little uh, kind of like border on disturbing sometimes, because like I mean, I've seen a couple Akshay movies that are like really, really close to being openly pro-fascist and it's like, oh fuck, oh man. The one that I just couldn't hang with though was um, well no no, this wasn't an Akshay movie, This, this was um uh, A.J. Defkin. Uh, oh. Are you thinking... Uh, Singham. Singham, Sing yeah. Yeah, Sing
1: yeah. yeah, that was... Right, okay. Singham was... I remember watching it going... Ah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's enjoying I... a cop and then there's just like, oh, the cop is our god now. We worship the cop.
0: I actually do oftentimes have a really hard time with the way that police work was shown in Indian films. And that's partly because you either see... That um police are so corrupt, so like they'll be the villains and they're like the guy so... in Wanted. Yeah, like the guy in Wanted.
1: Oh boy, they have that guy's a fucking single most loathsome
2: corrupt cop yeah. that exactly. I've ever seen in yeah. their practice. Yeah, exactly.
0: And you see a lot of that. Or
1: it's the opposite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or then on the flip side is you get really positive portrayals of police officers. And then they're still, like, somewhat corrupt. Like, the, the police brutality seems to be justified.
1: Yeah. The,
0: the cops are the heroes of the film. The film is about, It's you an know, ends
1: justify the means type situation. Yeah, and they yeah. still,
0: like, again, like, break these these boundaries of what I would personally think is acceptable behavior of a police officer. Yeah. Um, and so I always, like, find that, that tension around the way that the lines between um, kind of criminality and police work are shown in Indian films to be really tenuous and really problematic. Um, but at the same time it's yeah, it's a movie. Well wanted so Wanted,
1: wanted Place this is an interesting way because yeah, you, get, it does. you get the yeah. gangster, you get the goonde, yeah, and then you also get the corrupt cop. But then you get the, the altruistic awesome cop. You get yeah. everything.
0: Yeah, and it like I said, like they are movies. I am able to kind of like Put my morality at the door and yeah. suspend my disbelief about, uh, you know, how this reflects real world issues.
2: The thing, getting back to Salman, what the reason why his uh, policiers, uh tend to not be as disturbing is because of the inherently unreal nature that the Salman verse. Yeah. exists in, you know, I was like, you know, I I, I always hesitate before, you know, calling him a cartoon character because he only really crosses that level in, like, his movies that aren't as good, Mm -hmm. but with something like Wanted, it's like the unreality is... In perfect balance, mm-hmm. because and this is something particularly in the in the last action sequence, but it happens in the way all of the action sequences in the movie are shot, is that Prabhudeva connects the action to the the text in mm. a very palpable way. Yeah, because all of them there's a per, there there's a textual purpose behind each action sequence in Wanted. The first one is just establishing Salmon's credentials as the baddest motherfucker alive. Yeah. And just, you know, stepping outside the text for a second, Wanted was a calculated attempt to restore Salman to the kind of superstardom that he had enjoyed years before. He'd been on kind of a lengthy cold spell, and it was, you know, there was even, as I recall, you know, people being like, are there really three cons anymore? Really? Oh, are there? Yeah. Because, I mean, we see Amir. Amir's out here. SRK's out here. Where's Salma?
1: Where are the hits? Huh?
2: Yeah, where are the hits, Salma? Yeah. Where are the hits? You know? And so Salma, you know, like being a populist entertainer, was like, mm, I need a hit. And so he's basically just like, "Let's let's just make a fucking hit. You know, and and that was the, a lot of the motivation behind, you know, the making of that movie was, like, we got to get Salman back, you know, like, on, you know, like, Pantheon level. Yeah. And so that first fight had a lot riding on it, you know, extra textually. Because it's, like, it was a fight sequence that was designed with the express purpose of, you have to be really, really stoked about watching a Salman Khan movie
3: Mm
2: -hmm. after that first action sequence, and I think that it was handled gloriously. I think, you know, just like the, 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 you know, because probably Devil pulls out all the stops in that sequence. Like, there are, um, you know, like, uh, speed changes. There are, you know, like, all of the, you know, different smash cuts. Everything is choreographed in such a way that it's in perfect harmony with the way that he's cutting and using zooms. And everything is specifically designed to enhance the heroism of Sama as Mm -hmm. the protagonist. And then just to reinforce the point even more strongly, they cut right into Jawa right afterwards, which is a banger. So you spend basically 10 straight minutes at the top of the movie in a headspace, getting you into the headspace, reinforcing it, stoking it, Overkilling it, keep going. You know, it's like it's sort of the cinematic equivalent of Prabhudeva sitting here just being like, Do another shot, do another shot, do another shot, yeah. don't punk out, do another shot. I don't care if you've just had five shots, do a sixth. You can do it. Yeah. Let's go. And it's that level of you know I mean I use that example as is you know, it's like it's not something that's you know, coming from a nuanced intellectual perspective. It's all about stoking a physical sensation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that the sequence, you know, the, the the way that you know the the action sequence and then the 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 production number, you know, jammed right on top of each other. It's it's all about stoking a physical sensation, and it does a brilliant job of doing it. Now, the business in the movie with you know, like the love story in it, because it's the obligatory love story. It's like, yeah, that worked just fine. It, it kinda, is kind of
1: kind of drops off by the end too. It's not, yet. Yeah, it doesn't, the love
2: story doesn't really sustain for the entire length of the movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I don't know that I've ever seen the actress who plays the female lead in anything else. Me neither. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't think she really, you know, took off after that. Um, the character isn't very well conceived. I mean, it's not exactly, you know, the
1: great shining moment in the history of feminism. She's a Lois Lane type uh, who is always in trouble, basically. And then she yeah. needs someone to show up. And it gets a little old because
2: she's always just going, ah, 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 you know, like, all, you know, yeah. just like frustrated and doing like the cutie frown thing. And Salmon is like really mean to her for large parts of the movie because he's yes. like, he's like, I don't, you know, like he's trying to you know, keep her at arm's length because he doesn't want her to get hurt and all that, you know, typical yeah. you know road action movie thing. Event. I mean that my time you know, like that's something that's been specifically annoying me in movies and TV shows lately. Of uh, the whole it's just like, you know, you know, it's like I you know I want to spare you mm-hmm. the tragedy of falling in love with somebody who gets killed, and it's like you can't uncross that Rubicon, man. She's, she's already in love with you. Every M- superhero,
1: like, it's the same thing.
2: Yeah. Um so like yeah, so the romance track in Wanted, eh, it's it's wanting. <laughs> yeah. Um uh but the action business and the whole way that um you know, after it's revealed that someone is a cop and you go back and you know, even though, you know, it's like I mean obviously, you know, there were there were hints that I didn't pick up on since Matt you you know, call it. Well, I I was just going in that. having
1: seen a bunch of Salmon Khan movies, and I just know he's not yeah. a bad guy. He's he's a violent back, guy, but he's always doing it in the service of good. No matter what what he's doing, there's always some reason why it's happening.
0: I don't think it's well, telegraphed at all within the film. No, I don't. I don't I just think, think yeah, Matt is a smartass.
1: I don't think there's any textual <laughs> way that you would know that, as you as you said. It's just I just know what? that Salman Khan's always a good guy. Well,
2: exactly. And then when you look back and you see what he's been doing in the underworld. Uh, related plot of the movie up until that point what he's been doing is like killing and maiming as much of the mumbai underworld as he can get within physical proximity of yeah. so that by the end of the movie he really just has to kill that one last round of bad guys and then basically like mumbai has like a scoundrel shortage for like the near future yeah you know because he's just systematically been going around and, like, dis, you know, dismantling the underworld by, you know, the sheer force of ownage, you know? Yeah.
1: I, yeah. Let's talk about that final shot of the film where I was kind of anticipating a, a dance sequence in the in the credits, fairly common thing that happens. But, no, it actually just centers on someone who has ripped his shirt off, shot his probably worst enemy, I would say, the, yeah. the cop he's i i he's the most despicable the the gangster I kind of liked actually his uh his little trying to stay awake thing and you know he's yeah. kind of got a dawn kind of presence yeah. to him but he he shoots the despicable guy in the movie and it just freeze frame it's right out of like street fighter or something just like here you go, pure masculinity enjoy
0: but the girl doesn't come back, which I think says a lot about the film's interest in the romance, yeah. Because, like, Which you is that? Yeah, come back
1: at the
2: end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, and it reinforces the idea of the romance track in the movie as being something that was obligatory rather than something yes. that was really yeah. deeply felt. And to that point again, when you consider the, that the purpose of the movie was to reestablish Salman as an A-list a box office attraction, that it's about. Ultimately Saman as a star ending the movie on a freeze frame of Saman, looking badass triumphant but still you know very unsmiling and very, very, very masculine. Yeah. Um that that is um you know very much connected to what the movie is, its purpose is as a whole. And that final action sequence, like the fact uh you know, that it leads into it with that, you know, the, the first the revelation that he's a cop coming in that amazing Vino Khanna scene yeah. where Vino Khanna is just like, oh, just in case you forgot, I'm a star too. You know, it's like, and he just gives that amazing speech about, it's like, my son will kill you. Yeah. And he totally shakes Prakash Rash. Prakash Rash is like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'll I'm
1: bug- fucked.
2: I live in yeah. the summon verse. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, man, and I'm the bad guy. Oh, boy, I'm dead. You know, yeah, things were
1: going okay so- for him up till that point.
2: And then, so there's, like, that, you know, sort of build-up of, like, all right, Salmon's a cop, and he's, like, you know, it's just, like, you know. And then he has the perv cop drive him to the final shootout. That's a baller move. Which, indeed, if there ever was one. And then, like, when he's rolling up to the spot, he opens the door of the car, and for no reason whatsoever other than it's awesome – he like does a somersault out of the car and yep. onto the factory, and, like the warehouse steps. Yep. Walks up, just pure flex. And then the sequence ensues, and it's like, I mean, the, it, it's an A plus shirt removal because that's the other thing mm-hmm. when you study the Summonverse, is that the manner in which his shirt gets uh, uh, gets removed for the final sequence is clutch. Yeah. Um, and it's this was, you know, a borderline nonpareil, except for. There was one, and it just a detour for a second. It was like I was at a, a, a like a like a premiere slash press screening for Bodyguard. Oh, okay. And the scene in Bodyguard when Salman's you know like about to get into it, and like a, a like a fire hose comes unmoored, yeah, and like slides under Salman's shirt and like pumps the shirt full of water, <laughs> and the shirt explodes off him. Like that was so cool that this like this this woman this very well to do woman in formal dress uh, sitting right next to me like leaned over and gave me a high five <laughs> when when Salman's shirt came up like the, 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 you know for people who are listening to this podcast who don't like appreciate the power of Salman Khan that is the power of Salman Khan right yeah. there he
1: transcends yeah. barriers. Well, there's the there's the thing that happens in that final
2: fight sequence when like you know he gets one of the guys and basically. Like, curb stomps him on a girder. That
1: was nuts. I, d- I did not that think he we was going to curb stomp that guy. And then twist I, I, his I, leg I, to break his neck, too. And just, like, completely,
2: you know, and, and for the sole purpose of making all six of the remaining alive bad guys just literally shit themselves. Yeah. Isn't because he maintaining like,
1: eye contact with everyone, too, just, like, I don't even need to pay attention to this guy. With all of them at the
2: same time somehow, even though that's impossible, (laughs) but it is possible because he's someone. Yeah. Now, and the last note that I wanted to, or two, two final notes about that final sequence that really hammer this is, you know, about the, the, the connection between, you know, like the, you know, the camera, the text and Salmon the Mm Star. Um, there's when he kills some. He kills another person so hard in that sequence that the sound drops out. Right, and it's just the ringing.
1: He throws a guy through a mirror person. or something, and then the the gang boss he can't hear anything. And someone is beating the shit out of all of his men, and he's he's yeah, and he's, it's he's uh, and it's just the movie. the ringing of his ears. Yeah, yeah. he's
2: broken. The and then the other recurring thing that keeps happening in the sequence, like that as well is that there are those cuts back to someone and, and his intensity... is vibrating the screen. Yeah, the screen vibrates. Yeah. The soundtrack of the film also vibrates in sync with this. Yeah. And that it's the sheer force of his... his thirst for revenge mm-hmm. that, you know... That, you know that, that, and his stardom... Mm-hmm. Like as like he's such a star, and this you know and the that, that he just like the movie can't contain him
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it and it's the kind of thing where it's like these kind of flourishes are built up to mm-hmm that, you know, they don't come completely out of nowhere. Like, I mean, it's like, there's lots of, like, crazy cutting and blocking and all kinds of stuff. And, like, and he does some truly ludicrous shit for the first two, some hours of the movie. But it's all building up to that final sequence where he is it's just an unstoppable force even by the movie that he that purports to contain and depict him.
1: He has become Onage.
2: He has become unhinged, and the thing, and that's why I mean, wanted, and it stuck with me because it's it's better than a lot of the subsequent because um, iterations of the same, you know, working within that kind of hero character because you know it's like okay, now he's back on top, now we're gonna do variations on this same thing a couple times a year for the next for the rest of, you know for the rest of his life, yeah. And some of them are good. Some of them aren't. Um, you know, they're, they're... Like, debong was good the first time. And there are a couple things that are still pretty cool in DaBong. But, I mean, Wanted holds up better than it. He's basically been, you know, like, all right, this is my new lane, and I'm going to, to stay in it to a certain degree. And um, I should preface this by saying that I was not I have not been able to see his
1: last two
2: movies, I don't
1: think.
0: Oh, you haven't seen Bajani Bajan? Bajani
1: Bajan and what was the other one? Um no. Prem
0: Ratan Ratant uh,
1: Paio. No. Ratan Dampaio's you yeah. could pass on that one. But Bajani Bajan is No, I yeah, know. I I I heard.
2: Uh, and yeah. it really pained me that I couldn't see that. It's just that yeah. this is you know, the, the, the caveat that I have to attach to uh, like pretty much everything here is that I have not had access to a Bali theater in a couple of years. I'll yeah, listen. I
0: agree with what all you're saying. I will say, like, overall, I really enjoyed Wanted for all the reasons you were discussing, like Salman Khan's star power. And I think that that way that that film approaches action is spot on. But ultimately, I did feel like our experience was somewhat hurt by the fact that we'd seen Ek the Tiger beforehand. Um, which to me is still like the pinnacle of Salman Khan films. And that's partly because... You
1: always remember your first is the thing.
0: Well, my first was Jai Ho and that movie's terrible.
1: Yeah. But like...
0: (laughs) I (laughs) didn't understand why everyone was going on about the Salman Khan guy. And I saw Jai Ho and I hated it. And then a friend of mine was like, well, go home and watch the Tiger," And then I did and we were enamored. Like, and we've watched it several times since. But I think part of the reason why I hold that film kind of in higher esteem and I think it's superior is because their, the obligatory romance is so integral to the rest of the film.
3: Yeah. And Katrina yeah.
0: Kaif feels like an equal to Salman Khan in a way that I never see any other actress feel and act like an equal to Salman Khan in a film.
2: Yeah. Right, that That is a definite plus in Act the Tigers uh, category. I mean, the only reason, well, I mean, I think that I probably would, you know, uh, were I to, I don't particularly, you know, like, like, you know, like, you know, like ranking, whatever. It's like, yeah. I would put, if I had wanted at one, I would have to Act the Tiger at 1A yeah. b- precisely for the reason that. That, that, that you lay out like i mean cat is a much better foil for him yeah oh yeah as as, as 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 a you know like romantically in every imaginable regard um uh is the one thing that took me out of act the tiger and it's a really nitpicky bullshit thing that i'm not particularly proud of the fact that it this took me out of the movie for as long as it it's did. it's the
1: bagpipes right
2: <laughs> No, that actually the like the hip-hop Pinocchio in Dublin thing <laughs> is so like ape shit that like I, 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 I adore that. But
0: I love their know. interpretation of what London is.
2: Yeah, it seems great. <laughs>
0: there's bagpipes oh, yeah. and leprechauns and
2: <laughs> but in that opening action sequence, there's this one cut that was so bad. That it took me out of the movie for like the rest of the sequence. And I was really annoyed by the because like I just missed the whole Salman Khan action sequence because I was annoyed by one cut. Hmm. And I and I hold that more like as a failing of my own than mm-hmm. than the movie. But that is my explanation because I haven't gone back and watched Act the Tiger again. Um uh, since then, I mean, I'd probably, I mean, I, I hope, I do intend to, and I hope that it, um, that that doesn't bother me too much. Time second time, especially because I'm braced for it now. Um, but I mean, it's just you, like you can't help it when something like that happens, though, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and and but as long, I mean, I just all I can do is acknowledge that it was a subjective issue on my part and just like move on. But yeah, the like in in for. All intents and purposes, let's just you know, like have it out there that like I'm fully pro Act the Tiger.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. let's uh, let's move on to Tismar Khan, which Indeed. is star making in a different way. Yeah. I think that this mm-hmm. movie we've talked before on the show about uh, uh, Akshay Kumar and. This movie made me really, really like him, and I haven't liked him in any other movie I've seen. Granted, I haven't seen a lot Mm -hmm. of his, like, classic works, but he... I I guess I just didn't cotton on to it right away, but he is like a Groucho Marx-level comedic (laughs) genius, somehow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I will say I can be a bit of, like, an Akshay Kumar Downer. Like, I'm not a huge fan. I've seen... A lot of his recent films, and like I like entertainment. I
1: find you didn't care for that. I one.
0: did not care for entertainment. No, I didn't care for Boss. I didn't care for Once Upon I Time in Mumbai, Dubara. Sing is Bling? Um, I didn't see Sing is Bling. Mm. Um, but a lot, like he releases again, like at least seven films a year. And I have a hard time with his work, which I don't like. I don't like because he's clearly prolific, he's clearly popular, and I don't like. You know, seeing these movies from this guy and not seeing, you know, the good in him, not seeing what clearly all these other audiences see about him, not seeing what's exciting and what's magnetizing, right? Like why people are drawn to him. And I will say that um, Airlift, which came out earlier this year, and T. Markhan Khan so far are the movies that, like, I actually see there's some spark in Akshay Kumar. Because yeah. I do, I do want to see it. Like I again, I don't like shitting on things. I don't like being a Debbie Downer. I don't, you know, always want to be like, oh, that actually Kumar, like he can't make a good movie. I actually want to see what's mm. interesting about him and Tismar Khan. I'm really happy you recommended it because it and Airlift are the, I think, the only movies so far that I really think like this guy has something.
1: Yeah, he's fucking well, and- hilarious.
2: Oh, yeah. And to the point about, you know, it's like you always remember your first, you know, it's like the, the coming in with him on Tees Khan is something that I think was uh, serendipitous for me. Mm-hmm. Because it, first of all, he's working with Farrakhan, who is one of the best filmmakers in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows how to like, open a movie of just being like, oh, this is the star, and they're awesome. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, and it was interesting to me to note that um, <clears throat> that Shah Rukh Khan was originally supposed to play the lead in Teaser Khan. It, was, oh, it was developed, intended for him. Huh. And that's the thing, is that after watching Akshay do it, you know, as weird as it is to think, it's like, oh man, they dodged a bullet by not being saddled with that Shah Rukh Khan character, you know? It's like, Akshay just... There's something inimitable and really perfect about what what he brings to the character because he's such a fucking goofball. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: There's there's a kind of, like, fast talker, almost a New York guy, kind of, like, always just snapping along and convincing people to do stuff for him, and... He really convinced me as an audience member that I should like him and that his plan is going to work, even though it's a bunch of crazy bullshit that he thinks up. His, oh, his star yeah. presence just kind of pulls you along like, yeah, 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 this might not make any sense, but look over here. I got some more fun shit over here. Like, like he's, uh, that's what Which- I was missing in the other ones I'd seen.
0: There's a confidence on screen that feels genuine and didn't feel kind of like it was put upon him Yeah. in this film.
3: And
2: that it's all the rat-a-tat-tat that's coming out of him is that it's not flailing the way it is with some other performers. That with him it's grounded. Yeah. In like you know it's he you know he's a goofball, but he also is you know like uh like a swaggering, charismatic, swashbuckling movie star. Like I mean, he's every he's everything that a movie star needs to be in that movie. And Mm -hmm. the thing that's interesting about it, especially that popped revisiting it to talk about today is the level on which Farah is again, you know, being extraordinarily meta about every level of what's going on in T SmartCon. And that there's a level on which like a lot of, you know, a lot of his plans being bullshit and that they work completely by chance and he kind of, like, falls into, you know... Because all of his, you know, like, escapes from the law and everything like that are largely grounded in, you know, seizing Mm -hmm. opportunities and taking advantage of luck. And that there's a level on which the entire movie is about how, you know, movie stars aren't the people who make movies directors aren't.
1: I guess we should describe the plot of the film uh, T. Khan is the world's greatest thief. And how did he it's...
0: become the world's greatest thief?
1: Well, his mother was watching a bunch of uh, gangster movies while he was still in the womb. And in the highly instructional opening sequence, which is basically like a Bond movie opening featuring a CGI baby, um, we learn that he is, he's, become, he's learned through osmosis to be the greatest thief in the world. And as you suggested in the first scene we see of him as an adult... He pulls off a pretty amazing escape on an airplane using all the resources at his advantage. And he he wants to steal a train full of valuables. And his way that he goes about doing this is to convince the people of a village next to the train track that he's a Bollywood producer and they're going to a Bollywood director and they're going to be making a movie in their village. And there is a kind of sense of... Making a movie together in addition to heist that everyone in town, it reminded me of like, I don't know, Wicking Ned Divine or something. Where a small town is just kind of tricked into doing something really fun and they all kind of really get into their roles. That is very, very appealing in addition to Awesome Master Master Thief. And the satire of Bollywood film industry and of the Oscar bait industry is spot on. I especially like Akshay Kana, Khanna, um, who I didn't really like in race that much, but here oh, God. he's also fucking hilarious because a oh, little joy in life. He's like he's like playing uh, <laughs> well, yeah, race
2: not to bust your balls too much about that. We could talk for about eight hours about the race movies, man. Those <laughs> things are the light of the heavens. Those are ones that what I cannot is-
1: predict what's going to happen. I had no fucking clue what, what was going to happen in those movies. I'll give them that Oh, point. yeah. Oh, there no are, a there are a bad guy. They're good guy. They're a bad guy. There are some oh, no, twists bad, in that good one. But in this one, actually, kind of plays a, uh, a Bollywood star at the top of his game who is hungry for the Oscar. And Anil Kapoor got an Oscar, and he's jealous. <laughs> Anil Kapoor dancing on a stage with his Oscar. Um, Anil which
0: is, Kapoor dancing on the stage with the Oscar is probably my favorite joke throughout which this movie. Then the Oscar
1: in this is someone oh. basically doing the shrug emoji as a as a uh, statue. Um, so he's he's thirsty for the Oscar. He's he's Leo. He wants it so bad that he'll follow uh, t Khan on his you know quixotic quest to make this movie, which appears to be a veiled shot at uh, innumerable American movies about you know a common man fighting uh, a a fascist uh, foe.
0: I don't know if it's in, if it's in It's not specifically
1: Amir either. I mean that the thing about those like
2: movies about like you know noble mm-hmm. uh, innocent villagers or I mean it's like it's a stock thing. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. going back. Yeah, you know. so I don't think it's a specifically shot at Amir especially because he gets a shout out in in, in the movie I mean he does. You know, it's like they're he gets, not
1: you know he gets an extended sequence where he's being used as a bargaining chip to get actually Kana kind of on board no but it's it's a it's a box office pandering thing too because
2: the way that, you know the movie going demographic works there is that like most of the people who buy tickets are you know like people in small towns people out in the country you know mm-hmm. like not you know like you know city folk, so it's so there as a result there are like dozens and hundreds of movies just being like yeah you guys are cool man you guys are just but it's all like you know very in a very pandery like rich guy who's never been outside the city like yeah. in 20 years kind of way you know like it's not like a like a realistic depiction or anything like that but yeah. it's just like yeah there's a village and they don't wear shoes but it's fun, like see, it's fun to see so, those it's 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 characters uh, in on the act
1: though like the fact that they're involved in creating this movie about themselves and self-mythologizing is a fun cherry on top of a, you know, heist movie.
0: And I think well, Farrakhan does it really warmly too. Like you talk about it taking shots, and I, I didn't necessarily. I'm not taking think shots, but like way. a
1: gentle ribbing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like she, she's being meted about it. She's kind of calling it out for what it is. Like. Both kind of that villager film they, they're they making as well as how like the fictional dumb dog millionaire has been embraced overseas because it portrays like poor India um and kind of people within the Bollywood industry's desire to be recognized overseas. But I don't think she's necessarily taking shots at any of it. She's showing it, um but there's a warmth behind it. Where it never comes off as cynical.
1: That's Well, that's that's something I've seen in every yeah. Farrakhan movie I've seen. Yeah. Is that uh, she generally loves movies. And she generally loves all of the characters in her movies. Yeah. They're all... She
0: loves all the people that work on the movies. Yeah. It, like, from it, the it accountants is a, to the caterers to the It is a costumers. family
1: enterprise. For they the all bottom. get, like, an, an
2: on-camera moment in the closing credits of her movies. Yeah. Which is wonderful. I
0: love that. Yeah. I, yeah. I I don't know another director who does that. And so the first film I saw of hers was Happy New Year and when that happened yeah. I was beside myself with joy. I just to see that level of respect paid yeah. to every level of filmmaking, I think is really heartwarming.
1: Yeah, and that and that's what T Khan. you get that in the movie itself, too. Because yeah. they're all working on this movie together. They're getting into it. And it's just kind of heartwarming.
0: And it's and I find, like, the project that they're working on is really uncynical. Like, I, I like how when you see the final product of it's it... It's fucking garbage. It That's the best, like the best really part. It seems like a really shitty movie. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, this but is yeah. like, they're totally the into room. it
1: because they worked on it themselves.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But there's such kind of joy behind it.
1: It also doesn't pretend that T-Smartcon and his buddies know how to run a camera or <laughs> block a scene or buy costumes for anybody or... Oh, no, they're all they're all a bunch of jerk offs, man. And that's
2: why it's so great is that that's, you know,
1: it's this is really what
2: would happen. They don't know what they're doing. The thing the thing to to, you know, to not like lose by the wayside is that, you know, it's like all the, you know, like the stuff that's going on and it is like really cool and well handled humanistic and everything like that the 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 important thing about this Hunt is that it is really fucking funny. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, yeah. it's it, it's like it's it's 2 hours and 10 minutes long and there's like maybe a period of about 5 minutes like uh when he's like you know running through the woods and they find the other like you know the the outlaw encampment where yeah. you know and all of that like, that's the one part of the movie where it goes longer than about five minutes without something utterly hilarious happening.
1: Who's your I favorite mean, like, uh, big character? Mine is the, the, the town cop who just kept, keep, walks in every scene like, hands up! And that's just his catchphrase that he's thought up, but they keep worrying that, he, that he's onto them. And he's later he's doing that at the movie premiere. That's my favorite guy. And it, it's him that's pooping and in it's... the field, isn't it? <laughs> at the end of the t well, film. And
2: it's also great that Akshay never gets his name right for the whole you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. he comes up with every single name on earth except for the guy's actual name. I mean yeah. the um jeez I mean fair bit character boy. I mean the mother is 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 a, is a blast. I the thing that I, I like Chatterjee and Mukherjee's arc. Yeah.
1: That's how a well respect like it's a respectful portrayal of a, a work couple.
2: Uh, yeah and and that like you know, they appear to just be a couple of dorks, and then there are, like, a couple of sort of jokes about them being gay, and then they get married at the end.
1: Yeah. They get yeah, a, they, really they, like they got a happy ending. You know, they get the same happy ending everyone else does.
2: Uh, yeah, and, and then there's, you know, all of, you know, like the, you know, the the villagers who become Cat's retinue
3: mm-hmm. when they go to the village,
2: you know, like her, her de facto makeup and hair team.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, who, who are just, you know, cleaning it up with her. And it's like, huh. You know, and, and, you know, it's especially nice, you know, like for, you know, like for me as, you know, a, a queer person, you know, like yeah. to see. Um, it's and, not, it's know, not a that movies. those
1: guys are going to go on to be like working in Bollywood. You know, they, they advertise yeah. themselves really well to it. Well, and it's,
2: you know... And in, in especially like in movies that can tend towards the very socially conservative. You know, yes. like mm-hmm. in, 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 um, not to say that American movies don't as well, regretfully. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's particularly nice within the milieu of, of, of Bollywood to see, mm-hmm. you know, gay characters who are funny but who aren't Serious like types. solely the butt of, or, or it's like, or, you know, it's like the jokes.
1: Yeah,
2: on them aren't you know like mean, and the jokes on them aren't because they're gay. It's because yeah. they're cops, and being cops or trying to catch Marcon is like you know, like he says, you know, like multiple times. He's just like, no, you don't get it. You're cops. I'm I'm the hero, and and, yeah. and I, I I'm good at escaping from you guys. You know, it's like, and I, and I don't really want to go to prison. Yeah. So you're naturally a comic character because you're trying to do something that you're never going to. You know. Let's talk
0: about Katrina Kaif for a second, though, because when I first started getting into Bollywood, I really loved Katrina Kaif. And, you know... Still do? I, I still do, yeah. I think, like, she is a natural in front of the camera. I think she has excellent comedic timing. I think she's a wonderful dancer. And then when I started to kind of read Bollywood film criticism, I was surprised to discover that a lot of people consider her a poor actress And we have the benefit of not understanding Hindi. So I don't know how good her accent is. I understand that's one of the issues. But I love her. And I think she's wonderful in this. And I love how well she plays this, like, this ditzy, this lovable but ditzy woman who, like, is clearly made to be a star.
1: It it seems a little bit blasé the way she's characterized, but it's, it's done very intelligently.
0: Katrina Cave always holds her own in a film though. She never just feels like the girl. Yeah. You know? And so well, again, like I I always find myself a bit at odds with, you know, kind of the general consensus among Bollywood fans, because I think she's great.
2: And and I do too. And I'll go one step further and risk sounding like I'm being hyperbolic, but that this is, you know, like straight up a hundred percent believe this, like especially in Tease Mark I rank what she's doing with peak Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm, it's it's yeah. that it's that same mm-hmm. uh, like on the one level, like you know, okay, she's playing a bubbly and silly character with razor sharp precision, and every single beat works yeah. and lands the way that it should, and it there's no chance involved in it. It's all craft, but. It's, you know, a lot of detractors of her acting and of her star persona. I mean, the fact, I mean, like, you know, I don't, obviously, you know, like I would be hard pressed to uh, carry on a conversation in Hindi. I have listened to enough of it at this point to know her, she does have a foreign accent, Mm -hmm. you know. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't sound like everybody else because she's, you know, not from India. Like, she grew up in, I think,
1: Hong Kong. Yeah. She's often given a textual reason as to why, though. Um,
2: yeah, well, and it's the same thing, like I mentioned earlier, about, like, going to see Schwarzenegger and Van Damme movies in, mm-hmm. in my youth. And it's, like, it's kind of, like, it, it's it's funny uh, to see, you know, in that context, it's like... Oh yeah, you know, like uh, Katrina's just like uh, it's just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Her accent needs to be explained, you know.
1: That is, you well, know, I've um, never thought of that before, but you're right.
0: And I think if, like <laughs> recently, Batman v Superman: colon, Dawn of Justice came out, and a lot of people were commenting how um, Gal Gadot was using an accent as Wonder Woman, and it's like, no, that's her accent. Yeah, that's she's how she from speaks from Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's not using an accent. Um, and so I guess I would apply the same logic to Katrina Kaif. Like, that's how she speaks. That's her voice. I yeah. I don't understand kind of dismissing her just because she has an accent.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, some of it, some of it admittedly comes from just like the subjective, you know, you like something or you don't level of mm-hmm. things. But there is another thing going on as well with a lot of the dismissals of uh, Katrina as an actress. And that happens with a lot of other actors who basically have their one accent that they're stuck in and, you know, don't really deviate from it at all. You know, like Kevin Costner is another great example. Mm
3: -hmm, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, You know, you basically, when you cast him, you're casting him, you know, and, and you get what you get. And the thing is that when the aim of portraying a character who has a particular accent naturalistically is an end or even a concern at all in the given movie, it's an apt criticism to say that somebody attempting to imitate that accent on a naturalistic level of realism, if they don't succeed in doing that, then okay, you can knock them for that. But in something, particularly in something that is just like, you know, you know, taking such flight into, you know, into fancy as, uh, uh, you know, as Tiz Marcon, somebody like Kat, you know, the other 90% of what acting is comes into play, and that's how you have to evaluate
3: mm-hmm.
2: her performance like that. And like you were saying, I mean, like her timing is fucking impeccable.
0: Oh, yeah. I wish I saw and, her in more comedies. I feel like she's really trying to do, like, oh, yeah. These, like, serious and, like, these serious films, like, like Futur? Um, yeah, like, like, for tours, big, like, this remake of Great Expectations or doing, right. um, Phantom. No, she should be doing and Cameron
1: Diaz rules.
0: Or, yeah, like, Pete like Cameron Diaz, just, like,
1: ten years ago. But like,
0: she's hilarious yeah. on screen, and I, I agree with you with what you say, that she resembles Marilyn Monroe, because she has that level of kind of dumb blonde self-awareness that is so, even though she's not blonde... But that is so rare to find in a performer who is completely in control of how sexy she is on screen Mm -hmm. and how she's doing it for a reason. Yeah, she is doing it for a reason and how to play up that kind of ditzy feminine personality with cleverness. Mm
2: hmm. And being to the point of like why shouldn't do more comedies, I mean this is a problem that's endemic an epidemic in film industries all over the place is that actresses in particular have very little leverage mm-hmm. over you know the kind of roles that they're able to play. Or you get forced into a thing where it's like, oh, you have to establish your bona fides, so you have to do a serious movie. Um, which I always thought is bullshit, and it displays, like, a, like a very narrow understanding of what, you know, quote-unquote seriousness or, like, you know, an actual display of craft actually is. Mm-hmm. And it's especially a shame because you have this amazingly gifted comedic actress who is, you know, you know, I mean, every single, you know, dance number that she does is like the highlight of, you know, the month or even year that you watch it in. You know, what I mean, it's like she's an amazing talent at the things that she's talented at and forcing actors who are really good at that one thing into something that they're not necessarily, you know, as good at or don't, you know, care about as much. I mean, it's it's a, it's a real shame that you can't just like let actors do what they do best.
1: I kind of wish she was taking more control yeah. over the roles she's getting.
2: Like, But uh, that's not something that you necessarily have control over as an actress yeah. in a film industry, though was the thing.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Anushka Sharma is able to maybe make some more deals happen because she's producing, or, um, yeah. I guess, what, Priyanka Chopra is kind of moving into that role no, where and, she's and the and at star and she could take care of it. But Katrina this, hasn't really done that yet.
0: Yeah, and at this point, like, Topeka Padukone and yeah. Kangana Renault are... Make like really demanding that they be paid equally and really kind of proving that they're a box office draw. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think potentially because their strengths are very different than Katrina Cave's strengths, she doesn't, hasn't been able to have as much control as they're starting to exert.
1: Yeah, it's hard enough in Hollywood, much less Bollywood, where it's usually focused on the male. Hero yeah. that's the guy you nail down first then you find the girl to go with him.
0: But I want to go on the record of again like thinking you know Katrina Kaif needs to be doing more comedies cuz she's excellent in them. Yeah, she's very funny. And she should always be dancing.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's a good. <laughs> point. And I would totally
0: watch, you know, the kind of fictional film within a film that she's filming the item number 4 Sheila Giovanni. I would watch that movie. I think that movie looks awesome. I don't know anything about it other than I Just this item that number, one item number, but yeah. I'm into it.
1: Because they are kind of insinuating that it's some sort of blue movie and T Smart Khan's really pissed off that she's doing this in his absence but it didn't look yeah. that bad i don't know <laughs> well you get the sense
2: that it's more about like that his possessiveness and you know just like mm-hmm. upright stick up his attitude you know kind of uh, you know like it's less that it's a blue movie and it's that she's doing anything at all that's like even mildly remotely risqué he he would yeah. freak out about just as bad and we were still. Because no, we he her thinking- out of the set over his shoulder like a caveman.
1: We were still thinking at this point that she was his sister too. So I was like, "Man, he's really possessive of his little sister, and they're oddly close. This is weird." Yeah, oh. what is this
2: Indian Scarface Yeah, right yeah
1: here. exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were confused for the first half of this film about whether or not she was his sister or his wife. She's very clearly his wife.
1: Yeah, that was made clear later yeah. on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That... It's one of those
0: weird, like, translation errors that we just interpreted it differently.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we're always at a remove without knowing the language. But, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's uh, that's T-SmartCon and Wanted. Um, yeah. I would recommend to everyone check these two movies out
0: yeah I really liked both of these movies, and I wouldn't say that either of them are the typical kinds of Bollywood movies I gravitate towards mm-hmm. um, but I think both of these films had such like high entertainment value, yeah that even though I think there's some unevenness in both of them, I was thoroughly satisfied huh. um yeah. by both of them and you know would watch. Either one of them at the drop of a hat. Well,
1: they're a platonic ideal of a kind of screwball comedy or ass kick movie.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah. You know, they're they're a good starting point. If you want more of these things, you can find out what each of these creators have done. But yeah, they're both really, really good movies. I would highly recommend watching both.
0: Mm -hmm. And I can see why, you know, these would have been a gateway to more and more South Asian cinema.
2: Oh yeah, cuz they definitely were that for me. I mean, it was like the, the um the door was already open and those were the ones where I kind of like walked in and checked out the party and I was like,
0: "Yeah, I want to
2: hang out here for a little while longer." Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode.
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much for coming on today.
0: Yes, thank you so much. We were so happy to finally have you on and to talk to oh, you yeah. and pick your brain. Um, because your approach to Bollywood cinema, I think we is really unique. Yeah. We really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. I, uh, it's been, it's been really great coming on here and talking to you guys. Uh, it's been a great pleasure. I've, I've wanted to come on the podcast for,
1: uh, uh quite a while. We'll have to have you yeah. on again. This yes. is a good interview. Sounds and thank sounds you good. very much. But, uh, oh, yeah. where, where can people who want to know more about your unique take on the world, where can they find you? Well, probably the
2: uh, since we're talking about gateways, I, I will uh, offer my my Twitter uh, as as a place to uh, to broach that particular um you know whatever mm-hmm. um, at at byboes which is a B-Y-B-O-W-E-S, um at, at byboes on Twitter mm-hmm. and I write a weekly column for the fil- uh, the site Film School Rejects. And uh irregularly contribute to RogerEbert.com now that I can't review Bollywood movies anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're and you're up. recapping some T V shows as well.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm recapping uh vinyl and girls for the site uh, vague visages and uh um and yeah, I mean I'm basically just, you know, on the freelance grind, you know, like words that I write about movies uh appear places. Um mm-hmm. and uh yeah. You know, and uh, I, I also uh, am soon going to start my own podcast.
1: Oh, Yay! awesome! Yeah,
2: and yeah. Uh, It'll be just sort of like a general interest, you know, like film culture, you know, thing. It's basically just going to be sort of like, you know, like whatever I whatever I come up with. Nice mm-hmm. uh, uh, to do. Um,
1: so stay tuned for that. I will eagerly add that to my podcast feed once it's up.
0: Yes. All right. Um, and Matt, in the meantime, how can people come up with us and this show?
1: Well, if uh, you're a Twitter user, you can find us at BollywoodPod. You can find me at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S.
0: I am at Erin Fraser, E I N E F R A S E R.
1: You can find Bollywood Is For Lovers on Facebook. Just search it there. And we also have a Tumblr where we often, sometimes, put pictures of movies that we're watching or you know image streams that we like. And we have uh, detailed show notes with links to videos and information articles just to keep you up to date on what we were talking about during the course of the film if you wanted to learn a bit more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check us out. It's uh, Bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com.
0: And if you like the show, please leave us a star rating and a review on iTunes. We will read it out on air. And it really helps more people find the show and add, you know, to... Hopefully a community of listenership. Yeah. Uh, we will be back in two weeks where Matt and I will finally be digging into shoalace. So. Yeah, this is
1: a big one for us. We, we wanted to work our way up to it, but this is, you know, the, the most important Indian film, right?
0: One of them. Uh, I mean,
1: it's, it, it, it looms large. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So and we, we
1: wanted to build up to this.
2: And holy God, Shola is wonderful. So, I mean, I, I envy you your your introduction to it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We're looking forward to it. Again, Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yes, thanks so much. You're great. Great. Ah, guest. Thank you. And ah,
0: thank-, thank you, everyone who's been listening. <laughs>